All right, welcome back to another episode of the Chalice Chasers podcast. We're about at the halfway point for the MLB season and the fantasy baseball season, and it has been a great season so far, and I am excited, to say the least, to have our next guest on. Our, our next guest, this has been very long overdue. Uh, we've been trying to link up on the podcast for some time, and we haven't been able to get it to work, and now it has, and I am just, like I said, over the moon. And so this, before I get into the real intro, I just wanted to mention that this guest is one of the longest standing members in the league. And I just can't wait to hear his opinions on the league, uh, his history, um, and just everything as it relates to fantasy baseball. And so without much further ado, I'd like to welcome to the Chalice Chasers podcast, the formidable Danny Gimple. Hey, well, that's uh, quite the introduction. I appreciate the kind words. It's uh Good to finally get on the podcast. It's been, like you said, a long time coming. Um, I think what, what tail end of last year we were trying to work it out, and I can't remember exactly why we weren't able to, but I'm glad to finally finally get on here. So looking forward oh, yeah, to we're it. So, we're so excited to have you here. And uh, um, I believe last year the reason we were trying to get it to link up and it didn't work because of uh, fantasy football got in the way. But uh, uh, you were, you've probably been the hottest team in the league for the last, I'd say, 12 months you had a, um, a fantastic finish to last year, and this year you've just come out uh, guns a-blazing. Yeah, I, uh, I felt like I needed to get right uh, early days of the league. I have no championship titles to the name, but uh, I was always a contender, I would say, for the first five or six years. And then I had a, a rough patch, probably tail end of college, early post-college, um, where I was a bottom feeder for a few years running. Um, so definitely good to kind of write – right the ship and and you know not feel like i'm the taco of the league so um glad we were able to get out the gates hot and it's always nice when you're kind of midway through the season and not really so concerned about whether or not you're going to be on the playoff bubble so i wish i could tell you i knew what that felt like but, <laughs> uh, so for those of you who don't follow danny's historical stats as closely as uh as I do. I just wanted to read them out there. So Danny joined the league in 2010. That year he joined the league. It seems like this is a theme running for a lot of new members. He finished in second place that year. Uh, it seems like people do really well their first season in the league. Um, and so he has 13 active seasons. He's one of the, th the third longest members. Uh, his winning percentage is slightly under 500 all time. Uh, which he has a lot of uh, games underneath his belt. Now, are, are um, you counting my my forty more wins than losses this year towards it? I individually, do, I, I would request that it's individually calculated as wins and losses. So that is a great point. Let me look here. <laughs> I don't believe. I think I got to be at least twenty games over five hundred. Then. Oh, this season you're yeah you <laughs> are. Uh, um, I don't think that's including this season. Uh, I'm yeah, using right. the, yeah, the 2022 data hasn't been right. included yet. And so I would imagine that's a great point, Danny. You're probably, um, once Kevin gets the data in the challenge chasers, uh, Google sheet, I would guess you've got to be north of maybe 550. All right, all right. There we go. Um, so, so to just round this off, uh, you have the third highest playoff appearances at six all time. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm a, I, but I've never been to the championship, I don't believe. Right? You I have a couple have playoff been. wins, too. Like, I've gotten to the second round, but I just, ne you know, never never got over the hump, so. You've got um, you've got four playoff wins, and uh, um, 
yeah, you've never, you've never won the big thing. And so I wonder if, uh, if this is the year, because like he, like he's been alluding to for those who don't know, which I would imagine is no one because most of the listeners are in this league. Danny's 141 and 15 this year. He's in first place with a 20 game lead over second place. Um, to say it's a hot start would be an understatement. Uh, before we dig into it, Danny, I just got to ask, what is going on this year? What, what do you, what are you drinking in the water? To tell you the truth, I, you know, I, 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 a lot of luck is involved. I think that and, uh, to, uh, Ari is on to something with the algorithm. Um, I, I think I got lucky in that I got out the gates hot. I was able to kind of take some flyers on some dudes and, and some of them have panned out. I think the big thing has been, um, you know, my pitching has been really good and there's just pitch, pitching can fluctuate so much years, you know, like I remember having Otani the like two or three years ago and he was almost useless. And then you know, guys like Verlander, it's like, you know, they'll have years where they're Cy Young candidates and then they have some years where they're a little off. So I think got lucky with a dude like Mark Martin Perez and um, guys like that pitching top 20 when they were, you know, pickups. So um a lot of luck, I think, but uh, Trey Turner was, was my top pick. Probably uh, ended up being a smart play. Like I, I know you, you had Soto one, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I, I can't hate on it. Like I would say, I lean a lot on like tiebreaker. I, I go for the guy on the good team. So like for me, obviously, I use Soto as a top five talent, but because he was going to be on the Nats, I would have been probably steered away from him as compared to someone like Turner. So that's really interesting, man, because you've had a bunch of number one picks. And so you've got obviously a lot of experience with this. And you're so right. I, that's what I don't know why that didn't dawn on me until maybe like the middle of May. I was thinking to myself when Soto had nine. Yeah, it's just RBIs. like ca- counting stats is just like so much of that depends on the situation you're in. So for me, that's definitely something I, at least at the top of the uh, draft consider and, and probably even a fair amount later on in the draft, like, you know, if you can get the four hole hitter, even if it's on, you know, maybe not a great team, I I think that holds some value versus having like, you know, a a Lourdes Goriel or whatever, however you pronounce his name, who might be a better player, but he's batting on the bottom of the lineup a lot of times. So, um, yeah, I like that. That's something that I kind of keep in mind, but. Well, so um, yeah, speaking, speaking of that, you mentioned some things in there that I'm kind of curious about. Uh, so you, you talked about how like the historical performance will kind of sway your decision. Like Otani, for example, you remember when he burned you and like, does, how do you approach? Cause you've been doing this now for 13 years. You, some of it's gotta be intuition. Like how do you approach draft day? Like what does your prep look like? Are you going, are you like a mean reversion guy? Are you a best available there? Um, is there a method to your madness? Like what are you doing on draft day? Um, I, so having spent a lot of time discussing draft techniques with Kevin, now that we're co-owners in football, I would describe myself as a, as a underprepared guy. I, I certainly don't put the, uh, the time that Kevin puts in, but um, I, you know, I, I just like sports in general. So I think I have a, a fair grasp on the big name guys. And then I try to do a little bit of like uh, research, maybe days leading up in terms of guys who are maybe newer. So like uh, Jeremy Pena was a guy I was really high on going into this year. And just like, uh, seemed like he had an opportunity 
ahead of him to, you know, kind of become something. And I saw a lot of the Astros players were talking very highly of him. So um, I try to familiarize, familiarize myself with some guys like that that are probably have a chance to be late round, late round value. Um, but I'm, I'm not one to go crazy with, um, you know, preparation. I, I certainly am not like big into uh, advanced analytics. Not that I'd say that's not value in it, but it's not something that I'm diving deep into. And honestly, kind of funny enough, this was the first year I played MLB The Show, the video game, probably in like four or five years. This year? Yeah. So I've been playing a fair amount of that. And um, that in a weird way kind of helps with like waiver wires, like pickups and stuff, because they release different players like, you know, top prospects and stuff like that. So these prospects names I've seen from playing MLB The Show. Um, So I think in a weird way, it even just kind of, at least having seen the name once makes it more likely that if I see him in free agency, be like, Oh, what's this guy all about? And maybe read up on him a little bit. But so um, is it safe to say that you are 60 games over 500 this year because of MLB the show? I think it's the only reason. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's funny you say that. And then this will segue into my next question um, is that I believe that, we might've started playing the show, Kevin, Ari and I, before we even started this league, like we were very into playing MLB the show and that's kind of what got us into fantasy baseball. Um, and so it's very cool to hear that you were playing the show again. I haven't played in a few years and uh, is it still the same? Uh, it's very similar. So this is the first time I've ever played it and got into the like uh, diamond dynasty. I think they call it um, where it's, it's like almost like Pokemon. <laughs> like you get like, card packs of cards for doing different things and you build your team so like you know like i have it's like a fantasy draft but instead of drafting them it's kind of like at a little bit at chance or you complete you know challenges but it's cool because you can construct like you know dream teams using players from all different eras and um so that's what i've been playing a lot of this year but the you know gameplay itself i would say has remained pretty consistent since the last time I played, which is probably like 2017 or something like that. It's such a, it's such a fun game. That's so it cool is. It, it's, it's been uh, fun getting into it. So, so bringing it, bringing it back to the early days. Um, I don't know the story of, or I can't remember it, how you joined the league. So I was trying, I'm trying to think too. I, so I know you hypothesized possibly through uh sea time, which there's Perfect. definitely a chance of that. I think, it may have just been Kevin. So me and Kevin were in Titan Forum, which is homeroom, for those of you who didn't go to South, um, together. So if I joined in 2010, we would have been in the same homeroom for a year at that point. So I actually think it may have just been, like, through him. But I definitely got to know Kevin better through C-Time. And, like, we would play the base in baseball. I don't know if you remember doing that. Oh, Yeah. So we would play oh, the yeah. base in baseball. So I think like kind of a conjunction of those things. Like, I don't know if it was like I started playing, you know, pickup baseball with you guys before I was in the league or which came first or. Because um, well, I would think that we were almost because we went to um, you were a Unamier, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went to yeah Unami. So like we were even before South, we were playing, you know, pickup football and. Uh, yeah, base exactly. And, base in baseball. That makes sense. That's what I was thinking. But I just wasn't sure because. I saw Sea Time was in there too, and I, I do know you guys were Shaofan guys, and so I wasn't yeah. sure if maybe he had. But that makes sense on the Kevin side. What was you know? I don't even know if we have um, if this is the appropriate forum to dig into what 
uh, Titan Forum was like with Kevin for three years. <laughs> we had we did have a legendary Titan Forum, I will say. I still, to this day, talk to five or six people from it, like, fairly regularly. That's really we, cool. We had me. Oh, so a funny segue. I'll, I'll get to this, too. Also in my forum, Eric Hennigeiser. So it's me, Kevin, Eric Hennigeiser, um, Sophia, who is engaged to us while he's one of my best friends, Jen Myers, Brian Sourmelch, Jimmy Burton. <laughs> We're all in the same forum. Oh my God. And you guys are all really close. Yeah. And we had, but we had Miss Raytano, but we had the sickest Titan forum. But um, uh-huh. yeah, so I was saying um, Eric was in it. So I was at Eric's wedding uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, Ryan Cleary was one of his groomsmen and uh, another, a former league member who I, I actually brought up the league to at the cocktail. I was like, you were in the fantasy baseball league, right? And uh, by his recollection, I don't recall exactly how it all went down, but apparently, uh, yeah, he was forcefully removed from the league. Don't, I don't exactly remember how that went down, but um, it was funny well, seeing him. He's not – I remember uh, he had some pretty strong seasons in the league, but it's funny. You know what? I, I even think Eric Kenningeiser was in the league at one point in time. He, pro- he probably was. I, 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 I can't say with absolute certainty, but – like the early day, uh, the early data of like 07 and 08, I don't know if we have a full picture. And I vaguely remember playing fantasy baseball with Eric Kennegeiser. I know him and I used to play the show a bunch. So yeah, it's funny you mentioned guy. Exactly. We have, um, it, it, we've probably had 25 total people in the league. Uh, it seems like now the turnover is way lower, but it's still, um, it's still really interesting to, uh, to see all the people that we've had in the league and, uh, um, how they've come and gone over the years. Well, so um, did Cleary say he wanted to join the league again? He, he could hang or no? Is he, still, is he not? <laughs> well, he was touch? like, uh, I mean, that guy is like world's most interesting man. So he he was doing a tour over in the Middle East for a while. So I, I don't know how practical it would have been for him to even have uh, done that. So he was like doing, he was like, he's like CIA and he's Air Force and working in the Middle East for a while. Now he's back home um going to law school at ohio state he was saying so i was i was joking like oh maybe we'll get a uh, kennegeiser and cleary soon enough but um yeah That's awesome. he, uh, i mean i he, he probably would be if if we ever uh, reached out I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if he was game to uh to dabble back in always try always trying to show off his big brain so <laughs> and this is a league for that you know you've got a you got a lot of them in there and uh yeah um, you got, I don't, you got I don't the know big brains and then you got me and uh me and ari <laughs> and, and me throw me in that group too. and uh so um yeah man well so we got to get into this year and just kind of discuss a little bit about what's going on and before we talk about your team this year because it's just doing um unbelievable things uh any any opinions or any views on the structure of the league uh i know you were a pointer for a while and now you've gone over to the the categories with us um anything stick out to you or are you kind of indifferent on the topic yeah, so I was a pretty diehard points guy initially. I just felt like it was easier to track, um, easier to tell who was helping the team versus who was not helping the team. I mean, I guess it's dumbing it down in some senses, and we had some weird scoring, you know, some outlandish things in our scoring, but I think it's done right. I think points could be really cool. Um, but now that I'm like 60 games over 500 in, in, in categories, I've, I've been swayed. So I would I'm, be too. I'm a, I'm a natural categories. I think, no, I honestly <laughs> think I've probably done better since we've made the switch, but I just think, um, 
the one thing I didn't like about points leagues was I think it made two starts matter way more than categories having more, like you don't necessarily just have to have more pitching volume in order to snag some categories. So that, um, like I said, now I'm kind of indifferent. I could be swayed probably either direction, but I just felt like it was more fun to cheer for points. Um, it was more tangible. Uh, you don't, I don't think like, I think that Duckworth can kind of provide a little bit of that snapshot, but I think it was just way easier to tell like this team's good, this team's bad. Whereas like you could go, Oh, and 12 and have been the second best team in the league that week. And that would just get lost. Like no one's going to really be able to like clicking through that in depth. We'd be like, you know, if I saw you lost zero to 12, I just assumed your team sucked that week. But um, right. in reality, you could have been the second best in every other category, but you just went 0 and 12. I had a little bit of a situation happen to me last week, uh, but I did walk into a buzzsaw um, against the, uh, um, the, the strong Aaron Judge team of Mike Gleason. Um, yeah, Gleason seems looking scary. It is looking good. But, to, hey, this is one of the first times ever where we are recording a podcast and uh, I am playing the individual that uh, I'm interviewing on the podcast. You and I are set for a two-week match this yeah, week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a tasty one. Got a question and for we you. And we had the big mid-season trade, too, so it'll be – We did. For those who aren't – aren't following closely. We swapped Pablo Lopez for uh, um, George Springer. I got Lopez. Danny got Springer. Yeah, I would say it's been uh, probably pretty fair to this point, I think. Um, Springer had been good, but he's, he's had some time banged up a little bit. So um, Lopez has probably been, you know, held about the same as what, what he was doing before I traded him. So I think it yeah, was – what- kind of just swapping bats for arms type thing. Yeah. It's one of those things where we'll see how it works out in August. You know, I needed some arms and, uh, um, but it does. Um, I like to trade uh, valuable guys. Um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to get someone like Pablo Lopez in return when you offer uh, um, Merrill Kelly. <laughs> well, but, yeah. Um, you, well, you gave me the choice of Freed or Lopez and I'm glad I ended up. And at that time I was very much kind of, you know, in indif- not indifferent because I obviously I, I decided I want to keep freed, but I, it was a harder decision in that moment than one might think now. So, well, I, I when Lopez was like one of the best starters in the league through maybe the first five starts, and I was eyeing him, and I threw the offer out there then, and we kind of like it fell on the back burner. Yeah, I think and I was at a Phillies game, actually. something like something like that, and then I didn't want to bother you with it, but then Lopez fell off a little, and so I thought, you know what, now's the time. And I probably jumped the gun a little bit because he, he, um, I think I could have gotten him for maybe or gotten else, something else in the deal. But again, um, I'm happy with the deal. I think it's a fair trade. And I feel like over the years, you and I have made a fair share of trades. I would, I would, I fairly non haggling, pretty straightforward trades too. It's, uh, it's been easy man to negotiate with. I'll say. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You as well. <laughs> well so then moving on here, man. I got to ask you, so you're, you're 60 games over 500. You've, do you know your record? Like, I think you might've won how many games in a row, like 10 or something. So like I know. That. So Zal just beat me and we actually tied the first time we played. So Zal's one win, one tie against me. And then of course, Kevin is the, Kevin was the first team that beat me um, outright. So I would, I would have, I think had two losses and a tie. If it were like just cumulative, like, you know, higher, whoever wins more categories gets a singular win. Um, 
But yeah, it was it was tough having first loss come Kevin. If if I if I could beat anybody, that's who I'd want to beat. Um, but so, get him in the playoff. <laughs> yeah, right. He uh, he's always up at the top of that leaderboard. But uh, so then tell me, man, like when you're looking at this, um, are you winning each week because of strategy? Are you winning each week because of like you're getting good matchups? Are you just getting lucky? Like, is it a little bit of all those things? Uh, I you- think it's a, a little bit of everything. Um, so I've been fortunate in that, like, my pitcher schedules have kind of sunk up in a way that it's kind of like I always have two, two starts a week. So there's not many weeks where I'm, like, struggling to get at least nine starters. And that's just kind of, like, odd coincidence, not necessarily done by strategy. But my dudes have been coming up in the rotation at, like, a kind of good – I don't know, timing where it's like, I, they're not all in one week and I have, you know, 13 pitchers and I can't even use them. It's kind of like I've had nine, 10 each week, which has been good. And I, my first year we did categories. I did the like no closer thing and didn't find it to be beneficial for me. So I've kind of had made a concrete effort in trying to get a stud closer every year. Um, and, and I was able to do that with haters. So I think, most weeks my pitching is pretty formidable. Um, like I know the week I lost to Kevin, he only had one more save than me. And that was with starting an entire pitching staff of closers. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good point. Um, I think if anything, my team's like, I'm not amazing at any one thing. I think if you get my pitching staff on the wrong week, I'll have probably pretty good counting stats, but um, I think I'm just kind of like more like I'm, you know, top like fringe top five and everything so if you're not having a good week um i can you know still take that category it feels like yeah um, and you've but, taken most i mean you're dominating weeks yeah like so i i i don't have probably the traditional power maybe that's some like someone like gleason has um but i feel like i have a lot of like five tool guys a lot of guys who have some pop can steal some bases so like like the george springer types um you know, Lou, uh, Lou, I think I'm the only person to ever own Lou. So I'm going to try to keep that running you, as long as possible. I've wanted to own Lou so many times <laughs> for, for those who don't know, Luis Robert and, uh, um, or Robert, I forget if he was the one who said he needed to be corrected. Yeah. I, strictly, I wouldn't even know, but he's my boy. He's my boy, my boy, Lou. <laughs> he, uh, um, he's got that swag, but I mean, the white Sox just aren't doing it this year, man. You wouldn't expect he's got 10 and 10. Yeah. 10 homers, 11 steals. Like, I don't know. You just expect more. He's from another that. one who's been, he's been banged up a little bit for, for stretches um, too. Where I, like, I think if he didn't miss as much games as he would have, he'd probably, his stats would look a little bit better, but yeah, as a whole, the White Sox have uh, been a bit of a disappointment. I, I have uh, Yon on my bench too. Who's just like, I probably should drop him at this point, but thought maybe this would be the year he broke out. It looks like uh, it's probably wrong on that, but yeah, it's and then that's the other thing with the daily. I like the daily. I'm, I'm a I'm a fan of the daily. Okay. Um, I like uh I think it brings in like you normally I would almost keep no bench bats, period, and just try to have as much arms as possible. But this year I've had to kind of a, adjust because there's definitely value to having, you know, as many bats as you can get in each day. So um I think that's added a a little tweak into how I think about things in terms of how I want to fill out my bench, um, which I, I have liked. So, um, but I agree with like, uh, I think it was Gleason who was talking earlier on where it was like, I don't necessarily think you should just be able to pick up infinity amounts of uh, 
pitchers throughout the week. Like almost if your last bench guy is just like a disposable dude and you just pick up a new guy every day, I do think if we could find a way to make that harder to do or more um, something not disciplinary, but like I like the idea of the free agent auction budget um, that, you know, maybe that goes to whoever finishes regular season in first place or however you want to do it, but just make it so that you it's a little bit harder to do that or, or you're, you know, you're paying a little bit more or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that could be a cool potential idea to uh, maybe offset that type of behavior. You'll have to, uh, you'll have to bring your written proposal to the uh, winter meetings. Yeah. Yeah. So no, um, we're definitely going to have a winter meetings this year. So that, uh, um, yeah, put that on the docket. <laughs> it's definitely going on the docket. There's gotta be a way to do it, but I, I kind of agree with you because that was one of the questions I was going to ask earlier is, um, you, so you and I are playing this two week long, uh, matchup, which I know we've always kind of have looked to change, but for some reason ESPN is, um, uh, kind of tough with their rules, but so, uh, we can start up to 19 guys, you and I, over the next two weeks. And obviously the, I believe the all-star game is next like Monday or Tuesday. And so we're not going to be starting that many, but I'm like, if you have 19 guys going, um, like you could really just over the next two weeks, like you could really just throw some stuff in there. Like, I don't know how you and I both get to 19 total starts. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like there's even like the 12, I think only once this year have I actually been in a position where I would have started more than 12. So it's definitely not like a number that is easily obtainable like you have to uh you have to have a handful of two starts guys you already have or i don't know i guess i don't i always have a hard time i'm part of my i don't know where i fall in terms of activity of ads and drops and stuff but i'm one of those guys that like if anything probably hold on to someone too long so like i have a hard time dropping guys and picking up guys just for the week and um but i obviously i recognize that it's a, a strategy and it can definitely pay dividends when it comes to counting stats um, but it's not that different than points where it was like, you know, it, you had to have two pitchers lose, but it's still going to get more than one guy who had a really good game. So, um, right. but so then, I think we'll always be, no matter what, it'll be hard to, it's never gonna be perfect, perfect. So it's just kind of, um, you know, tweaking it as we go along, but I think we're on the right track. I totally agree. And, uh, um, I welcome everyone in the league's feedback. Uh, this winter because it'll be interesting to hear what's going on uh, or what people's views are. And uh, it's one of those things where we're not going to get it perfect. And we just like, you know, we um, improve and keep moving on. So. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I like that Kev's uh, Kev's kind of doing the, the, the opposite trying to be like, fuck you, we can win with just doing, you know, just closers. Cause there is something like, if you only have the closing pitchers, you're probably going to win ERAs and you're going to win saves. So it's like, with Kev's strategy, it's almost like he's just going to try to split the pitching stats and have the best bats. Yes, the um, I believe he he there's a term for it the the marmalade or something along those lines. But uh, um, yeah, it's a strategy, and it, that is I'm I'm right there with you. It is kind of like you can kind of do a little bit of an fu. Um, hey, I'm going to go bold or I'm going to take a risk, and yeah, I, there's no there's no guidelines. It's a wild yeah, west. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, so, so yeah, it's not like this. something I'm adamant, adamantly against, but, uh, totally, I think, totally I think understand. the, uh, even if it was something insignificant, like for the free agent bu- budget would probably curb tell that a little bit, um, you know, if it's 50 cents a transaction or something like that, but 
Um, yeah, so I don't know. You can, however, you want to do that, give it the second or put it in whoever wins regular season, or I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see what uh, what everyone thinks of. But so then I got to ask, um, as it relates to this season, you're 60 games over, uh, you're crushing it. You know, what? How does this season end as a disappointment for you? Like, are you just happy with making the playoffs? Or if you don't win the season this year, the league this year will be a disappointment. Uh, I would say it has to be a disappointment if I don't win it. Um, thir- 13 years in it, uh, I, I got to get got to get my first. Um, so, but like, I, I truly feel like it's one of those things that you just got to get in. So like, I don't think just, I guess having the buy is a nice perk, but um, you know, you really just got to get in and then and you have a chance. So I think uh, a lot of luck comes into play too. So I'm, I'm aware of that. I don't think it's like I'm the clear cut best team by any stretch. Um, I think I have a good team and I think I have as good a chance as anyone, but I don't think it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, going to run away with the title. So um, yeah. it's nice. It's, it's nice. It's being hard in a to position. run away. I'm sorry. You, you go ahead. Sorry about that, Danny. Oh, you're good. Um, I, I was saying it's nice to be in a position that where you can kind of, you don't have to sweat maxing every point week to week. I'm kind of now like I'm trying to have guys like Jack Flaherty on my bench, like kind of take some flyers and some dudes who hopefully will be beneficial come playoff time. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to be shorter on pitchers for the upcoming weeks as I have a couple banged up guys that I'm hoping will be helping me down the home stretch instead of currently. So um, my rest of the season is kind of priming me hopefully for a big playoff run. So I would like to cool. uh, win as much games as possible, though. I think it would be cool to just go up and win 170 games or something like that. I don't know what the most <laughs> one of the categories, but um, – Set the record for that. Yeah, if Kev wants to engrave that on the trophy somewhere, we could do that. That would be pretty cool on the chalice. And then yeah. – so then I, I – like in hearing how much you um, kind of think about this or um, your approach to things – is it safe to say that like this is probably one of the years where you've probably been like the most engaged in fantasy baseball? Like, is that like, or I, like, I, I'm not saying last year you weren't, but like, does it keep like, like each year, do you feel like you're getting more and more engaged in fantasy baseball? I would say so. I think more than anything, making this year more engaging is the daily. Because if you, if you're not, it almost makes it that you have to be on it daily. Um, or else you're, you know, you got to be able to, you got to be rotating guys who are not playing and, and guys who are and all that. So it forces you to be more engaged. I would say the last two to three years, I've probably been more engaged than ever. Um, so maybe See, you could say cool. switching the categories, but um, I think a lot of it too is just like where we're at in life. Like um, a couple of years ago, I'd be more likely to just be out getting bombed on a Saturday or something. So <laughs> Not not so I, concerned about setting my fantasy lineup. So I got a little bit more time on my hands to do that kind of stuff. Um, well, well, I appreciate your transparency about uh, <laughs> your Saturday activities. And uh, I had um, a hard enough time I, keeping a smartphone for a few years in the middle there. So <laughs> really got dropped for my AT&T uh, phone insurance because I went through so many insurance claims. So, <laughs> hard to be good at fantasy when you're using a Pantech Duo. <laughs> it is. I, I think that's the best quote of the year. It's hard. To, <laughs> it's hard to be good at fantasy when you're using a duo. Uh, oh, that's that's fantastic. But I'm right there with you. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I keep getting more and more engaged as the season as the years go by. And I don't. I think part of it's the 
um, the age uh, factor, but then also part of it's just uh, we keep making these enhancements to the league. I do think it keeps getting better and better. And I know it's not perfect, but it just seems like one of those things where uh, most people in the league are really dialed in. And it's cool to hear that you're one of them who's, uh, um, you know, you really enjoy being a part of the league. And I just, I don't know. I just think that's really cool. Yeah. I think there's something to be said too, with uh, there's a tie to expectations for the fills potentially like, I'm just going to be more engaged in baseball as a whole when there's, when there's expectations for the fills or I think they have a chance to do something. So um, like, I know the last couple of years have been disappointment disappointments and, and who's to say this, you know, this year might end the same way, but um, they've at least been competitive to this point of the year. So that's definitely going to keep me more engaged as well. Not necessarily like watch a ton of out of market games. Um, maybe if I have like, you know, a Sunday and it's like Max Fried's, pitching on Sunday night baseball or something I'll, I'll tune in um but really it's mainly just I watch the fills a, a fair amount and um because of the daily aspect I'm I'm probably on my phone 15 20 minutes every day kind of looking through uh you know the schedules of who's playing and and maybe perusing the uh waiver wire and seeing who's out there so that's cool man the uh it does seem like there's a big Phillies cohort in the league and I don't watch as much Phillies but I try to tune in a little bit um i put them on tonight because uh miles mikolas uh it was on the map oh yeah team. i meant to i meant to love the name great name oh you like that yeah love that uh, i had um i was trying to get I, maybe you'll be able to explain to me why i wouldn't work but i was trying to do um so when uh bassett chris bassett was uh complaining about the balls early in the season tried naming my team Seabass said that and it wouldn't, it said it was inappropriate. I don't know why, but really, yeah, I was trying to do the, the dumb and dumber. Seabass said that. Yeah. He said it was, it was, said it was inappropriate. I guess bass is too much like ass or something. I don't know. But. <laughs> we'll have to, uh, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that would have been a great name. Uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, so I threw Nicholas on and the first pitch I saw of him was a home run to Reese Hoskins. So I just turned it off. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I can't watch my, uh, my pitchers go, man, but that's a, that's a story for another time. Um, Danny. So I thought right now um, I thought I'd do a little segment uh, where I'd love to get your opinion on some things. And uh, I heard someone else do this on a podcast somewhere. And uh, so I can't take credit for the creativity aspect of it, but it's called overrated, underrated, or properly rated where I'm just going to hit you with a few things and you can tell me whether it's overrated, underrated, or properly rated. And you can say why, or you don't have to. Um, There's no need for like an elaborate discussion or some, you know, um, deep reasoning. Uh, If you just want to give your opinion and move on, great. If you have a reasoning, also great. Cool. All right. So let's start here with snake draft uh now is that like in comparison to an auction draft or just oh you're just a thing i mean fairly rated i I don't mind a snake draft but if given my choice i would i prefer an auction okay all right um live draft underrated ah i love that um all right i'm gonna throw a variable in there new top gun underrated totally agree um all right so i know you're a a world traveler you're always uh all over the place fenway park 
I guess, oh, I say appropriately rated. I haven't been to Fenway, so I, I can't. You haven't been to Fenway? No, no, I have not been to Fenway. All right. One I did see you were at recently. Then I got to ask Wrigley. Underrated. Wrigleyville is awesome. That was, is um, it? it's so cool. And it was like, that was one of those. So I was actually supposed to go, supposed to go somewhere else. And my, I don't know if it was because of COVID or was it like maybe it was a hurricane or something. It was one of those things where I had flight vouchers that I just had to use. So we kind of arbitrarily picked Chicago. Um, wasn't even solely to go see the Cubs, but they just happened to have a game when I was out there. And it was probably the highlight of, I mean, like Chicago is an amazing city um, in general, like blew, blew my expectations out the water, but um, Wrigley was awesome and Wrigleyville, but I'm sure that a lot of baseball fields are like that. I'm not super well-traveled in terms of baseball stadiums, um, but yeah, Wrigley is awesome underrated uh, that's great news uh i'm excited to uh um i'm gonna hopefully get out there soon but uh um then all right i got another one here because i feel like you used to draft this guy all the time albert Pujols. underrated underrated okay i, think, I gotta ask why then i think because i think when you when you look by like errors i don't think any of these new guys there may be someone like mike trout but when you when you talk about counting stats and the longevity um i don't think many people are going to get anywhere close to what you know pool holes is at so um when you when you're when you're comparing him to his peers from this more modern era i think he's probably one of those guys that's going to just have runaway stats compared like even like you think about someone like ryan howard like he was so dominant for a couple years but it's like you hold his career next to a pool holes and it's like it's you know doesn't hold a candle to it so pool holes here's a great i brought up his fan graphs page and you have to scroll very far because there's so many seasons he had 43 home runs in 2003 that wasn't even his first <laughs> season in the league he also had 40 home runs in 2015 yeah like nuts. what I think that's a great um that's a great answer there and man I'm looking at these counting stats and you're right he he also was never injured this guy yeah, had the over machine. 600. They call him the machine for a reason. He is an absolute machine. You know what made me think of that and why I wanted to ask you, other than the fact that I know you drafted him once or twice, um, I saw a headline today that there's rumors that he he either has committed or has said he wants to be in the Home Run Derby this year. I actually just saw a Bleacher Report notification like an hour ago saying that he was going to be in it. So I think you're right. I think he will be in it. I also wild? think he could – I feel like he – oh, I don't know. I guess – I guess he, he might be more likely to fatigue. Wouldn't surprise me, though, if he does well in the Home Run Derby. I'm kind of getting tired of seeing Greg Sawyer's uh, Pete Alonzo up there um, <laughs> huffing and puffing. Yeah, treating Pete Alonzo like is like, with this, like, crazy pit viper glass. He's a really hateable guy. Obviously, he's a Met, makes him more hateable, but yeah, he's, I, he's I, I don't like his face. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him know next time I see him. <laughs> Um, all right, so here's one I got to throw in there just because I know you're a Philly sports fan. Jalen Hurts. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, probably depends. I'll, I'll say appropriately rated. I don't know because he's going to be – you're going to get – depending on who you ask, there's, I'm, I guarantee there are some Philly fans who would say he's way underrated, but then there's a ton of, you know, rumors that the French like, – you know, the Eagles themselves aren't even really that high on them. And so – He's a hard one to judge. I think 
he's got everything in place to be successful. So I think we'll be able to, I'll be able to make a much more convictive judgment after this season. So. Yeah. We, in, in theory, we all should, it'll be interesting. My guess is he's got a very short leash. I think uh, it's true. And I wouldn't mind a little Minshew mania. (laughs) Oh, uh, that would be uh, some uh, weapons and watch him eat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's too good, man. Well, all right. Well, I love asking people these questions because it's cool to come back to and look at um, in hindsight. And so I got to finish this with um, just if you had to put in a MLB futures bet to win the championship right now, just curious who you would uh, go on the record for. Uh, Hmm. Tough. If you ask me preseason, I was I was high on the White Sox, as we already discussed. They've been kind of crappy this year. So um it's, would you it's buy tough. them now as a as a value? I would, I would as like a, a long shot value, yeah. But I don't I wouldn't have much conviction in in it probably happening. Um it's kind of tough because it's like it feels like all the safe guys are probably most likely. Um, you know, the Dodgers, Braves, Yankees. Um, so I don't want to say any of them. So I'd go go with the Phillies. Oh, okay, Phillies. I like that. So Phillies <laughs> and hot. It sounds like you'll sprinkle a little bit on the uh, um, on the White Sox as well. I just think I do think we have a. I think the Phillies have a, a team that if we make it in the playoffs could be a problem because if Nola Nola and Wheeler are two guys that are capable of winning you series by themselves, and you know Harper's proven to be worth the money, um, Schwarber's been well worth the money. So um, I think if we're like a few deadline acquisitions of some you know kind of what the Braves did last year and we, we could be in a position where we can make a run if the bullpen can they've been better of late I'm not totally sold on them but I don't think we'd be in a team you'd want to face in the playoffs so um but I guess when it comes to the playoffs there's not really any teams you want to face so but I think we no. could be I just think uh, I think Wheeler and, and Nola Wheeler I was I I have so I, I was I bought I was all on him being good this year again, but it was good to see Nola kind of get back closer to the, what he was when he was Cy Young candidate. Um, so if those guys continue, I think those two with a couple of uh, hot bats could be enough to, to be uh, threatening in there. So I don't hate putting the uh, little sprinkle on the fills. I like that. I like that. We're going to have to revisit it and uh, um, come October. But uh, Danny, like I said before, uh, just really um, thankful for you to come on this podcast, man. Uh, it's been a long time coming. You have been the hottest uh, manager in the league for 12 months and you've been in the league now 13 years. And this has been, uh, I, I was just going to say that if we're, we're talking hottest manager in the league, I'd say I've been the hottest manager for at least 13 years. <laughs> I love it. The sex you, uh, <laughs> what, Yes, exactly. What you bring to the league is uh, just, um, a plethora of intangibles. Oh yeah. <laughs> so no, man, it's been a great league and uh, um, it's been so cool that you've been in it for so long and we've all been, uh, um, you know, we've all been friends and we've had some great times at these drafts and I can't wait to uh, um, now that we're putting this COVID stuff behind us, get a, uh, get a live draft coming up. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to the live draft big time. I would even be like, uh, I think we should do like, so like a, I wouldn't be opposed to like, we don't to like, Clearwater or something like that, like a cool spring training thing or something. I think we're definitely getting close to a, uh, a destination. Um, I think that would be cool. Or I think it'll be like something cool for like determining draft order rather than just random. Like, um, I don't know what, but if it was like, even like we all had a horse in the Kentucky Derby or something, something cool like that, 
think would be a, a cool little twist. Derby, Derby would be cool. Yeah, we all um, we all get a car in Daytona, and then based off where they finish, <laughs> I don't know, just something different. <laughs> I, I uh, think that'll be fun. Maybe we we'll all go to Talladega. We'll all go pick our favorite ra- race car driver, and we'll settle up, settle our draft order. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think for the anti-auction people out there, they have to understand that when we say auction, we're talking about live auctioneer and everything. And I think that would. I, That'd be so much fun. I, you can sign me up, man. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, would I actually, I actually that. know an auctioneer. So, you know an auctioneer? I do. Yeah, a guy at the uh, country club I belong to is in. What auctioneer. does he auction? It's a good question. I just see his truck. <laughs> <laughs> just says auction services. I don't know. I have to, I have to press a little bit, but he looks yeah, like a guy I, who would auction things. So. There's just a look, right? I, I totally yeah. agree with you. And, uh, well, I'm like, uh, I'm like pretty close with him. I just don't ever actually ask like about it. I just know that's what he does. I, I, I don't know if it's like it's maybe it's like a state sale stuff or something. I don't know, but no, it's probably something uh, um, not as cool as we're thinking. Yeah, but he's got the look, so uh, that's that's what it's all about. Well, if he uh, if he's free for four hours of uh, just chaos, sometimes <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have to look him up. But yeah. again, man. Uh, this is awesome. Can't wait to get together uh, whenever the next time is. And uh, um, thank you for coming on the Child Chasers podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And uh, good luck this week. You'll need it. <laughs> thank you. You too. All well, right. Uh, all right, guys. Well, so that that uh, ends the Child Chasers podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, good luck in the second half of the season. Hopefully we can start getting some more episodes out there soon. And uh um, for anyone that is following on Twitter, I think we might have three followers. You can follow the podcast at the Chalice Chasers One. Um, actually, that's at Chalice Chasers One. No the. So uh, again, don't expect to get any followers there, but just thought I'd throw it out there. And again, uh, just hats off to Danny Gimple. Thanks for joining, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it was long overdue. It was a blast getting on to do it. And uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to uh, the next live live draft. Would be good to. Uh, get everyone together again so get the gang back together it. yeah kev was trying to get me to go down to new york for uh do it's always sunny uh, trivia night on like a monday night with him and ari i was like as fun as that sounds i don't know how practical it is <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh that would actually be so much fun yeah but... so right on man well hey um until next time likewise brother thanks for having me man